Hi, I am Ritu and from Adventurize, this is Venturing Beyond, a podcast where we delve into the career stories of ambitious individuals. And today we have with us Urvashi Prasad, who is a senior public policy specialist at the office of vice chairman at Niti Aayog. We chat about career opportunities that COVID-19 brought to the forefront, the plethora of career options outside of studying medicine that exist for individuals interested in biology or life sciences as a subject, and what it's like to be working in the public sector. Um, we also dive a little bit deeper into her decision to move to India after spending several years in the UK and her experiences being involved in the World Health Organization, the World Economic Forum and the United Nations in various capacities. Talking about, you know, your work in public health and what's been going on in the world the last year and a half, uh, I'm pretty sure your role as a public policy specialist and working in public health specifically was quite pertinent in um, how the COVID-19 situation was tackled, right? It was obviously unexpected. So um, how did you wrap your head around that? And when it just had just started, how did everything around look like? Yeah, I mean, it came, of course, completely <laughs> unexpectedly, uh, you know, in terms of uh, work, uh, work-wise. And um, it, it, I mean, you know, personally for me, it meant that I never really went into lockdown. You know, I had to keep going to the office. I had to, I had to keep doing my work. So I haven't really experienced lockdown and so, as, as how, you know, many people might have experienced it. So I think that was, um, you know, at a personal uh, level. And, and I think it worked well for me because I'm not sure I would do very well with myself if, you know, I was put under lockdown. So, um, but, but yeah, I think the work was, you know, it was, it was, really interesting at one level because you know obviously you worked in public health and i think when you work in public health this is always something which is sort of a fear at the back of your mind that you know something like this could happen uh, literally any day because you know you you are very aware of you know how things are uh, going on and and you know much more than the average person who who's not coming from this sector so so it's like something that you you know you've read in a lot of your textbooks you've you've done case studies you you know you've thought of this often and you know here's it happening you know in real life and so so while it's like okay this is also my worst uh, sort of fears coming true it's also a great opportunity you know for somebody who's trained to be a professional in this space um, because you know here you have the opportunity to contribute uh, to obviously you know one one of the the worst sort of health crisis at this kind of scale that that the, the world is has faced in in you know I would say probably 100 years uh, or so. So so I think that opportunity was also huge. Uh, obviously, the role, again, being at Niti Aayog, it was, you know, more of a monitoring role in terms of monitoring how different states are doing, you know, what is the data like. So I used to monitor the data almost on a daily basis in terms of, you know, how different states are doing, how different districts are doing, you know, because, again, as I said, in India, um, policy making can't stop at the state level, you know, you have to go down to the district level or sometimes even lower than that, you know, in order to be able to really make a sensible decision. So, uh, so one got that kind of, you know, perspective into how do you really monitor all this data, feed it into the uh, planning process for, you know, how you plan for each state or each district in terms of what kind of human resources you need or what kind of medical infrastructure you need. Um, but it was, I think, the most interesting 
interesting part also and also the most you know which is what kind of always kept you on edge was that you had to change every day you know what you were doing like there was no consistency it's not like you know you would yeah there are certain things you were doing pretty much every day like the data tracking monitoring feeding but otherwise you had to react a lot to you know what is happening you know if something's happened today in a particular state or in a particular district and you have to like just immediately react to that you have to think on your feet you have to try and reach out to people resources even globally um see you know what best can be done to tackle that kind of situation um so i think you know that real time you know sort of um decision making and being able to react um that is i think also a very you know important skill that you learn um and in this case you know there was no option you just had to like go with it and 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 you know just do it so so yeah it 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 was a really really difficult time it was you know it was very very long working hours no predictability to the work day at all um so it was all of that i think at a personal level i have to say it was very difficult very draining um i i remember like in december last year i was feeling completely exhausted that you know and and to think that you know the pandemic's not over at all you know like it's it's still very much going on and you know there's no like defined end date to this at this point but it's exhausting you know it's exhausting because i mean yes you're not on the front line you're not doing what a doctor or nurse is doing and obviously you know hats off to them for doing what they do but even being somebody in the background and you know just having to like constantly be on the ball and you know constantly be available um and and also be using your mind and your resources your networks uh to be able to function at that level you know when when really there's such a crisis going on and it's changing every day it's not a situation which is static at all you know so so i think i would say it's definitely been you know one of my biggest learning experiences and a very steep learning curve you know very very steep learning curve Yeah no absolutely i can imagine that i mean for a lot of us it came to a point where we had like the privilege to stop reading news or just cut yourself off from it when things got too too depressing but yeah of course like you didn't have that option you had to like face that reality every single day and that's that's definitely um you can imagine how stressful that could be since you mentioned uh, you know looking at it as an opportunity as well to the kinds of things that could happen in the future and the changes that are coming out of it a lot of people are talking about uh, you know adapting technology to an extent that wouldn't have happened otherwise if we had been going with the pace that we were or just you know completely switching gears to uh, more efficient methods of working as a workforce in general as well My next question is sort of along the lines of what you know career related opportunities do you see emerging out of it because a lot of professions around uh, you know biosciences so just studying things related to that field uh, weren't at the forefront we weren't talking about you know drug development the study of viruses or vaccines and all of those things on an everyday basis before that for someone who's interested in studying biology or something of that sort the very obvious choice is let me do medicine and let me become a doctor because that's what's in front of you right but there's like a plethora of things that you could do too so uh, what do you see coming out of this you know public health is much broader than medicine and you know this sounds like something so fundamental but in it's incredible how many many people still genuinely are not able to you know distinguish the two things you know so so for people healthcare or health is sort of synonymous with a medical doctor or a nurse or and and i think just to be able to appreciate that actually public health is 
very very interdisciplinary you equally need a social scientist you know we've spoken so much about behavioral change you know ever since the pandemic has come and i mean i mean for me working in public health this has always been something that should be a priority always you know you you shouldn't be telling people about behavior change only when you have a crisis you know only when you have a virus which is you know raging across the world behavior change is something we need to have in our everyday lives all the time so you need social scientists for that you know you don't you it's not a medical doctor who's best positioned to tell you how to do that um, in fact it's not his or her job really so you need a social scientist over there you need health economists you know you need people who can uh, study the you know relative cost versus effectiveness of a particular intervention um, and we always use this kind of information in the health sector that you know if i have to treat a particular disease and i have two options you know which one do i go with as a policy maker which one do i pick you know so i always need to look at the cost i need to look at the effectiveness and again this is the kind of you know rich and deep analysis that comes from health economists uh, we need epidemiologists you know so these these are people who really study diseases um, at the population health level and tell us you know what is the sort of natural uh, course of this disease what is the you know what is the way it's in which it's going to progress how lethal is it going to be um, what is going to do to people um, so we so we need those kind of professionals as well um, so i think that is that is really the biggest message you know that that and that's something i always give but i really hope that this pandemic sort of makes that distinction very clear that yes of course you can go down the medical route you can you know do medicine you can be a nurse you can even be an allied health professional so you know you could you could choose to do something in nutrition you could choose to do something in physiotherapy um, those are also very very important uh, you know sort of professions even though we often don't put them at par you know with a medical doctor or a specialist um, but we should because they also have very important roles that you know those kind of professionals play in their own way but then you can take a completely sort of non medical route uh, also in the healthcare sector and you can say well you know i am an economist and can i use my skills in in public health you know or 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 i am a social scientist uh, how can i help people to change their behaviors um, you know towards better health and well being you know how how do i do that um, so i think that is going to open up um, once we have that understanding then i think you it's very clear that you have a whole plethora of opportunities which are which are open and and of course as you mentioned that also now the intersection with technology um especially how do you make sure that you know you have a very democratized access to this technology because again you know what the pandemic has also shown um is is a digital divide you know in 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 many cases right so so it's not that um yes adoption of technology has gone up but it's not uniform right so so in india also like uh, while somebody in an urban area might be able to do a tele consultation um, you know relatively more easily uh, it might be much more difficult for somebody in a village or in a remote area right or similarly use of technology in education you know while while in our kind of homes we might be able to give our children uh, a tablet or you know they might be able to do online classes on zoom it might be much more difficult for a child you know in a village or in a remote part of india so when it comes to technology like how do you really democratize access to that how do you make sure that everyone has access how do you make sure uh, it's it's you know having that kind of impact on everyone's life you know and it's not just a, 
a few who are benefiting from it whereas you know others are getting even further left behind because you know that's that's a danger that's a real danger um so i think there's going to be a whole host of you know opportunities that that this will open up once we just have this fundamental understanding that you know public health and healthcare is is not just you know being a medical professional you know there's so many other ways and there's so many existing skill sets that you might have uh, which you might be able to actually bring to this field and have a very very meaningful um, career you know so so i think that that sort of understanding uh, hopefully will will now you know come about in in, in a much bigger way right absolutely and that's one of our goals with this podcast as well just just bringing those conversations to the forefront and uh, now the access of information when it comes to the things that are available to you i'd love to know what is it that you do at niti ayog and what kinds of projects you are involved in yeah so niti ayog um, is of course it's the indian government's um, policy think tank um, so it Uh, works with different government ministries and also state governments uh, on implementing different kinds of you know policies and programs also monitoring how they are performing um and whether they are achieving their intended objectives um and what course corrections need to be made um you know what sort of partnerships are needed with uh, the private sector with civil society because you know government obviously has to work with a lot of other stakeholders um so that is really the work that uh, niti ayog does and and within this uh, what i focus on is on the uh, what they traditionally call the social sector areas i i it's not a terminology that i tend to favor very much because it it puts sectors like health and gender and nutrition into you know just a social category but i think they are equally crucial for economic impact and i think if anything the pandemic has shown us that uh if you don't have good health or you you know you're not doing well on gender or you don't have good nutrition indicators ultimately it's going to impact the economy as well uh and those are the areas that you know i would identify as areas i work in um also sanitation um you know access to clean drinking water so all of these are also very linked to each other um and and there's a you know a lot of uh, overlaps you know between all these areas so so i focus on these um and i focus on the government's policies and programs in all of these areas um what are the gaps what more needs to be done um what is already in place how well it's doing how many people it's reaching what is the sort of impact on the ground so it's really very um, broad uh, sort of spectrum of work really it's right from research to monitoring and evaluation um to getting insights from external stakeholders like i mentioned the private sector civil society building those partnerships uh, between these stakeholders and the government um channeling their feedback and inputs into the government's policy making process so it's all of all of those things Mhm so when you talk about research is it uh, limited to a certain kind of research or uh, you know you work off of secondary data that you get based on you know the other things uh, that probably the government is involved in I mean it is a lot of it is of course government data because you know we are mostly looking here at the performance of government schemes uh, government programs so of course that is uh, you know the routine indicators that you know are monitored by different state governments or by the government ministries uh, so of course one tends to look at that 
Um, but being a think tank, you also go beyond that. Uh, and you also look at, um, you know, whether there have been any external evaluations, um, you know, maybe some NGOs have done their own independent assessment of a particular program uh, or a particular scheme uh, or an international agency like the World Bank or, you know, any other UN agency, you know, has done some sort of analysis. So you also look at that. Um, and then you also speak to a lot of external stakeholders. And, you know, that's that's where I was talking about mm -hmm. channeling their feedback and their views, uh, you know, into the policy making process. Um, because, you know, I've previously worked in, in capacities where I have, you know, from the outside looked at government programs. And I know that you have a very different perspective when you're doing that. Uh, so it's a very useful perspective to have. Um, so being a think tank, we also make sure that we reach out to a lot of these kind of stakeholders, we get their views, um, so that we're not just relying on the government data, because that's providing just one part of the overall picture. Um, but to get a much, you know, more comprehensive view, um, these other sources of data or information rather, and some of it might be qualitative, not everything might be numbers. Uh, some of mm -hmm. it might just be, you know, a, a feedback, a perception uh, that people have. And that's equally important, you know, because it's it's also very important to know how people perceive the programs and, and what they think about them and, you know, what they feel, whether there is really an impact or not. So I think it's a mix of both quantitative, qualitative, uh, as well as, you know, government and non-governmental data, secondary as well as primary. So I think it's all of that um, that, you know, one ends up looking at to sort of get a more comprehensive picture. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, monitoring data and sort of, you know, gauging the impact that certain policies or decisions might be uh, making on the kinds of uh, aspects that you're looking at. But I was also wondering, you know, in terms of the general decision-making process from top, top down, how does the, the general decision-making framework look like? And where does, you know, Niti Aayog fall into that, uh, the whole structure? So Niti Aayog, of course, the central government uh, think tank. So you know, mm -hmm. it's at it's at the at the level of the, the central government or the union government, um, and then of course you have various ministries, uh, which are the ones you know which are actually responsible for implementing various schemes and and programs. So Niti Aayog sits outside of these ministries, and that is mm -hmm. you know that is deliberate because it is a think tank. It's it's supposed to have a more of an independent perspective and view or a much broader view um, than, you know, a ministry which is implementing a program would have because, you know, the ministry mm. would be the owner of that program. Um, but mm. then, of course, there's the state governments, which actually also implement most of these uh, programs. The state governments are the ones um, which certainly in, you know, sectors like health and nutrition, they have the biggest role to play. Um, and they are the ones who actually, you know, design most of the programs, implement them. So the role of a think tank in that becomes to really be a partner, you know, for them, um, to assist them in any way, you know, whether it is uh, bringing in best practices or good practices that are being implemented elsewhere, um, whether it is providing any sort of technical assistance, um, whether it's, it's helping them uh, to assess the effectiveness of their programs. But our role is more to be a, a facilitator, a partner, uh, somebody who can bring in that thought leadership, uh, you know, in, into the whole policy making space. Um, that is that is really what we do. So our power is of ideas. Our power is not so much 
you know, of money or funds or, you know, being able to dictate the agenda. You know, working for a think tank and, you know, being surrounded with ideas and doing this research on what the ground reality of things is like, can imagine it can be a very, you know, stressful sort of uh, area to be in. So I studied psychology in college and I remember talking to one of my professors about this at one point where, you know, when you are trying to do this high impact work and trying to be involved in making a difference in the real problems that the society faces, it's something that might take a toll on your mental health as well or just feeling like you know the world is full of problems and everything seems so unsolvable and such a large extent as well right so do you feel that way with uh with the kind of work you're doing at all yeah it's you know it can it can feel quite frustrating at times there's no doubt because you know when Mm -hmm. you're in this sector and I think I would say this is not just about being in policy you know you could be working anywhere in the development sector as we broadly Mm -hmm. call it where you're basically trying to, you know, implement programs, policies to improve usually some of the most fundamentals of basic, you know, of basics of people's lives. So, you know, you're trying to get people access to healthcare or education or nutrition, or you're trying to get, you know, gender parity in, in access to basic services. So these are very fundamental things, which, uh, you know, I think most people working in the sector believe that everyone should have access to. And so therefore, Um, When progress is sometimes not as, uh, you know, fast as you think it should be, it can certainly be frustrating, you know, because you can certainly feel like um, there's there's too much here which is not going right. And, you know, how can I ever be able to really do anything which can address all of this, especially in a country like India, you know, where we have the kind of scale, you know, the sheer scale. So, you know, where we are talking of India, we're not talking of a country. I always say we're talking of several countries in one. Um, And then when you're talking of making an impact and, uh, you know, reaching out to um, the last mile um, and, and, you know, to to the person, you know, really the last person who you want should get access to all of these basic things, fundamental things. Um, And I think it is it is frustrating sometimes. Uh, but I think, you know, what you also realize being in this sector that you just have to keep doing your bit, you know, even if it seems um, insignificant at the time, rather than getting lost in, you know, what can obviously seem like an ocean of, you know, problems mm-hmm. or ocean of things to do. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. This is part one of this conversation with Urvashi Prasad. Check out the next episode for the second and final part.